Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to this podcast. I am so excited to be back with you today. You may have noticed the name of the podcast has changed. That's right. We're rebranding ourselves. The podcast is now called Rise Up to This Life. Yes, this is about your life, my life, and making it better. So what we're going to be doing with this podcast now is we're going to be analyzing movies, documentaries, stories, speeches, books, and talking about lessons, life lessons that can benefit you and I. So let's get into it, okay? The first one we're going to talk about, if you're an automotive enthusiast, this one is for you. This is going to, we're going to cover the life of John DeLorean. Have you heard of him? No, I bet most of you haven't. He is one of the former presidents at General Motors company, and he also founded his own company called DeLorean. Unfortunately, things didn't go his way, and uh, he kind of ended up in a bad situation with the law. So we're going to cover his story, talk about what went right and what went wrong. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. So let's start with who John was. John was born in 1925 in Detroit. And as you know, Detroit is the number one automobile city in the United States. Um, Detroit is home to Ford Motor Company, Chrysler, General Motors, and Chevrolet, as well as others. So growing up in Detroit, um, he started his career at Packard and then transitioned to Chrysler and finally ended up in General Motors and was in line to become General Motors president. He had a beautiful family. He was the youngest division chief in GM history. He was in his mid forties, making between 500,000 to 750,000 per year. Remember this was back in the 1950s, 60s and 70s. He was very successful. Um, as I mentioned, had a beautiful family. He was connected to celebrities. But um, over his lifespan, he ended up divorced many times and married uh, more wives. So total total number of wives he married was four, four women. So he was doing really great on business, but not so much on lifestyle. But the company didn't care because he was making his numbers and doing so well. Well, John had a really big ambition. He wanted to speed up the timeline for him to become the General Motors president. And so he decided to leak some information about the quality of General Motors cars and that backfired and ended up being fired in 1973. So he lost that path to become General Motors. Well, after some thought, he decided it would be best for him to go on and start his own company. And he did that and it was called Delirium Motor Company. Have you seen Back to the Future? His automobile was used in that movie. Uh, it's a really cool car. The first car, that the first prototype that was built uh, is called the DMC-12. He was really cool. And he was on his way to become a rising star, or he was already a rising star, but really to, some people would say, revenge General Motors and uh, create his own company. Well, unfortunately, in 1982, he was arrested for doing a cocaine deal and um, his company went bankrupt. So that is a summary of who John was and his um, life story in, in, a, in summary. If you want to watch this, uh, this is on Netflix. It's called Framing John DeLorean. Or you can also read on his Wikipedia page. Just search the name John DeLorean. 
So next we're going to talk about lessons. Um, I picked up four lessons from watching this and we'll talk about four of them here very soon. Lesson number one, take a challenge, take a risk. So when John came to General Motors, he was given the Pontiac GTO line, which is now known as the muscle car. That was the first line he got to manage. Well, Pontiac GTO was usually um, seen as a car for older buyers. But John was anticipating the trend and he knew the younger buyers wanted something more sexy with more um, engine power. And so he went to the, to the team and said, look, let's um, get a large engine and put it into the small frame. And the marketing people were like, what are you talking about? That would never work. How did you get upper management to approve that? And he was like, don't worry about it. We're just going to put it as an options package for people that want, you know, a faster car. And they were like, well, I don't think we can sell any more than 5,000. He's like, I was thinking more like 30,000. We're going to sell 30,000 of these units. And they laughed at him because they were like, that's not possible. This is, this is car has always been purchased by older people. Well, he ended up being right. Um, and I don't know the exact amount they sold, but it's definitely more than what he was predicting. And, um, that ended up, that car ended up taking off, which led him to also manage other Pontiac, um, models as well. So that is lesson number one, always challenge the status quo. Don't just come in and accept what people are telling you. Always look at market data, see what trends, what, what, what the trends are telling you, um, and react to it. And people are always going to doubt you and say, well, I don't think that is correct. That's okay. They have some experience. This is what they've known, but you're coming in and, and you've got some, some interesting data and you have to use that to convince them about where the future might be headed. Or maybe consumers now want something different. So that is the job to take the challenge, take the risk and challenge them. I like what he did though, around like, not completely changing the entire model of the car, but putting it as an options package. So when you're not sure if what you're going to do is would work, especially if there's already an established market, you can take the, um, that new, new idea and implement it as an option to test the market and see what people are willing to buy. So I love that idea that he, um, and, and how he implemented it and it worked. It was successful. Now, not all ideas are going to be successful. So that is why you manage that risk with the options package. But, um, that was the first thing that he did right. And, and by taking that risk, he proved to, um, that his, his ideas could be successful in general models and gain more respect for it. Lesson number two, while taking risk, can help propel you into success, taking too much risk can backfire, especially risk that places your organization in a negative light. So while he was smart with the first risk he took around the Pontiac GTO and making that an options package, he took a really big risk by going against his organization and releasing those, or leaking, I would say, those papers that um, talked about General Motors quality. Um, well, that led to him being fired, but the bigger risk he even took that, um, from his ambition that really broke him, I would say is 
not the risk to start the company, but the risk to start the company in a location that had never produced an automobile before. So here's the background. When he wanted to start the company, he needed some funds and he was looking at different cities that would um, help him with the funds to start the company. And he landed in Belfast, Ireland. Yes, the country Ireland. And they gave him um, enough subsidies and tax breaks that would help him with about, I think it was about $100 million in the documentary that was said. Well, the problem is um, in this part of Ireland, they had never built a car before. They had, they didn't even have a car manufacturing um, factory. So he had to build that from scratch. And he was trying to do all of that in two years. That is a really, really short time. It's, it's already a really short time to get a car in production in two years, let alone build a factory, build um, the culture and get the car into manufacturing for the volume. He wanted to mass produce this car, right? So for the volume of what he was looking at, it was such a high risk, but he let his ambition blind him and he um, kept moving forward even when the risks were um, called out to him. So at the end of the day, um, he did not launch, well, he started this in 1973 and did not launch until 1981. So he failed to recover the $173 million that he had invested in the company and the company eventually went bankrupt. Well, what really even made the situation worse was not that the delay in the timing of launch, that was part of the problem because the economy was already in a downturn at that time, but also because he kept trying to race the, tro uh, race the clock and so he was putting out cars that he knew had engineering problems that had not been resolved, but he told them to keep producing. So by the time all of those cars had shipped, well, guess what happened? People started complaining and, and having quality issues. And so they were filing product warranty claims. Well, that will kill you if you're a new company that is starting up because instead of you to recover the money you just invested in the company and in that product line, now you're spending all that money on product warranty replacement, parts replacement, and that would kill really any business. So that was the biggest problem he had and eventually the company went bankrupt. So that is lesson number two. You can be ambitious, but taking on too much risk can actually backfire. So listen to your team, listen to what people are saying, you may have to delay a little bit longer. I know he was under pressure from investors that he had raised funds from, but you can delay things a little bit longer. It's better to delay than to push forward. And, and especially for a huge risk, like what he was taking, starting up a new company. Um, that was such a big risk and, and that really burned him at the end of the day. So lesson number three, treat people with respect. So here's the backstory. When John DeLorean decided that he's going to start DeLorean Motor Company, he found one of the best engineers at General Motors and incentivized him to come work for DeLorean Motor Company to build the first prototype model, which is called the DMC-12. 
Bill Collins was his name, and he did such a wonderful job. I mean, this car is beautiful with the doors on the side. It was made out of wood, though, so it wasn't like an actual real car you could drive, but it gave the investors a sense of what the DMC brand was going to be bringing to the market. And it worked because they got funding to build it, to build the cars. However, once John decides to get into Ireland to now get into full-time full production, mass production for the DMC-12, he decides to bring a different person on board to build that facility and get, get the plant ready for production. And he brings in somebody called Bill Chapman. Well, things didn't go quite well. Um, Bill Collins was not very clear on what his roles and role and responsibility was anymore in this new DMC organizational structure. Um, he would call John and talk about it. And John would say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, and then eventually he realized that most of the dis discussions, most of the decisions were going through Bill Chapman and he, him and his team were being left out of the conversation around design. And eventually Bill Collins resigned and, um, well, he decided it was time to move on. I don't think that that, that move really hurts the company. However, I thought it was a shame that the person that actually came up with the, the model and the design of the first car by this motor company wasn't around when they finally launched it and was treated like a like he was nobody. He was treated like he didn't have a say, um, you know, that his design, his design was not, he wasn't acknowledged that his design was what was helping the company to, to get started. And so that is lesson number three, is treat people with respect. I think regardless if um, John had decided to move on with Chapman, he could have had a conversation with Bill and say, well, this is now the role of Chapman. Here is your role, your new role, your new responsibility. Um, and figure out a way to, to make it work between the two of them. Or he could have, you know, if he didn't want Bill Collins to be there anymore, he could have had a conversation with Bill and said, you know, look, this is this is a new organization. Um, thank you for your time. I don't think that this is going to work out moving forward because we need someone with this and this experience. But he let it just sit until Bill Collins got frustrated and left. So always treat people how you want to be treated. So make sure that you're always clear around the communication with, with the people that work with you people that work for you, people that you work for, and always treat people with respect. That is the list that we can do, is treat each other how we want to be treated. Lesson number four, this is for the entrepreneurs. If you have a dream to start your own company one day, to build a business, there is one and only one thing that needs to be at the top of your list, which is finances and financing and how you're gonna raise funds for this new business, this new venture you're about to start. And um, so this is what John spent a lot of his time doing. Fundraising is critical. However, before people can believe in your idea, before people can believe in your dream, they seeing an evidence helps. Seeing proof of your concept helps. 
So anyone can just walk up to any investor and say, you know, I have this dream to solve this big problem, or I have this, this vision around this product. It's going to be amazing. Customers are going to love it. However, how, how do you know? How do you know that for sure? How do you know that customers are going to love it? How do you know that this product is going to sell? Why should I just take your word for it? What, what is it about you that makes me, that would make me believe what you're telling me? So here are some things that John did to prove himself and to prove that his concept was viable. The first thing he did was build a prototype. As I shared in lesson number three, he worked with Bill Collins to build a prototype and he showed that to the investors. And I love the way he showed that to the investors. It was very flashy. Like they were in a conference room and he gave his speech and then they just like took the cover off the prototype vehicle and then the side doors just came up and it was just cool. Like if I were sitting in that audience, I would want to buy that car. That's how cool. So marketing is also important. The other thing that John used to gain confidence from the investors was his brand. I mean, this guy had worked at General Motors for many years. He had risen to the top ranks of executive leadership. And so he could prove that he knew what he was doing. He had the numbers behind him from all of the work he had done with Pontiac to show that he knew what he was doing. So he had a brand um, that could speak for itself. He also hired Bill as the lead engineer for that DMC-12. So he went on and found some experts to help him build a prototype that, um, that could prove that they could actually do this. And um, the other thing that could go wrong, um, I talked about a lot of things that went right, but the other thing that went wrong for John DeLorean um, in the fundraising aspect of things was change of government. So if you recall, I shared how Ireland had given him uh, about $100 million of of, of um, breaks that, that he could use to build that factory in Belfast. Well, government changed and Margaret Thatcher came into play and all of a sudden he had to pay back some money, but he was also not gonna get all these breaks. And so the change of government actually hurt his fundraising efforts. And as I mentioned, eventually he became, the company became bankrupt, not him. The company became bankrupt and they had to end production. So I mentioned earlier how John ended up um, getting into trouble with the law. Well, here's how his story ended. Once his company became bankrupt, he became desperate and was trying to raise funds as much as it's possible so he can pay for his production, he can pay his staff, he can, he can keep his company going. Well, unfortunately, um, things didn't work out well for him. And he decided to meet with this um, drug dealer that was an undercover person for the FBI. And he met this person in a hotel room and they, they brought the cocaine. So basically he was gonna fund some of the costs to distribute that cocaine. And then he was gonna make um, a ton of money back. I think like three or four times uh, what he was gonna put down um, for the drug dealer. Unfortunately, he did not realize that this person was working with the FBI. And as soon as they toasted their champagne, the FBI walked in and put him under arrest. And he was locked up and um, had to go through trial. So 
Unfortunately, his story didn't end up on, in a positive light. Um, but there are some really good things that we could learn from his story. And there are some things that we can learn not to do. So with that, um, that wraps up this episode. Uh, if, again, if you want to watch this, this is on Netflix. It's called Framing John DeLorean. If you like Alec Baldwin, he is the person that played John. I think you will enjoy it. I hope you learned something today. And uh, we'll talk again soon. See ya.